so uh, this plan is very is very accurately uh, being prepared because uh, China is the economic center and Russia is the military center, and both need to be neutralized for the multipolar world to fail. The West uh, knows that uh, very precisely. The West cannot uh, prevent the dedollarization from uh, from happening, but it, it can neutralize China militarily. Uh, in the same way, it, it cannot uh, win a war with Russia, but it can uh, make Russia busy with proxy conflicts and neutralize China militarily. And this is the, the challenge now for both sides, and this is the situation uh, we are expecting for the future. Welcome to another RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have first-time guest, Mr. Lucas Larraz, on the channel. And so Lucas is a Brazilian journalist and a researcher at the Center of Geostrategic Studies. He's a frequent contributor on InfoBricks, which is a leading news source on the Russian development news, and is also a commentator on the Sputnik Radio. Today, he joins us to share his thoughts on the recent BRICS activities, geopolitical news, as well as economics. And so, Lucas, welcome to RTD interviews. Thanks, Mike, for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, as you said, I'm a journalist and job political analyst. I, I work in, in Russian media and also in Brazilian and other countries' media outlets. And my focus is uh, on geopolitics, but uh, also on issues uh, concerning geopolitics and, of course, uh, digitalization and some uh, topics in, in, in this regard are very important to understand geopolitics. So it's my pleasure to be here contributing with you. Well, thank you. As I mentioned, uh, definitely looking forward to connecting. And so came across uh, your Twitter account and I noticed that because I, I check in with infobricks.org, which is what I consider a leading news source on geopolitics as well as developments with the, within a BRICS ecosystem. And so the fact you're Brazilian, I know you offer a unique perspective that our audience could definitely use. So that's why I love to connect with you and get a, get a, get a different take from outside the Western mainstream media, just because I don't really trust on the sources here. So it's always good to get a, a deferring a viewpoint. So I want to just jump right in. So for those who may not know you, uh, give us a little bit of a background. How did you get into covering a lot of these topics that you cover? Yes, uh, my... Uh working in academic journey uh, was always related to international topics since I, I was a researcher in international law in my, in my law degree and I started to uh, research law but uh, uh, so I understand that understood that geopolitics was my real capacity because uh, law is not the, the, the right uh, means to understand global scenario. We don't live in a rules-based world, world order, as the West says. And so I started to uh, engage in geopolitics and real politics, international relations. And I started to write my analysis some, I think, of four years ago. And I started to publish my articles on Chinese media, CGTN, Chinese global television. And so I, uh, started working also for Russian media, and that's why I I, I still uh, uh, working in uh, with these topics. And in, in my 
my aim is precisely uh, to uh, show a new approach, approach from the south, from the global south, from Brazil, and also from the uh, perspective of our uh, aligned countries, of our BRICS nations and global south nations. And so uh, uh, I always try to uh, present our perspective to to Western U U.S. European citizens because I, I think you, you there are even more isolated from the alternative media than us. So it's my my pleasure to be contributing in this regard. Yes, I thank you for sharing that. And so I, I guess one. Of, so the channel is called Rethinking a Dollar. And so I I was almost nine years ago having traveled a little bit and lived in uh, Argentina, Chile, things, countries surrounding you. And I began questioning the supremacy as well as the longevity of the current Federal Reserve note structured system through the SWIFT and things like that. So I began questioning it a long time ago, knowing that at some point there will be uh, some issues that the world will be facing. And so here we are now. And over the last what several months now, the de-dollarization term has become mainstream to where even some Western media now talking about de-dollarization, de-dollarization. And so from your perspective, you know, you're, you have the Brazilian real. And I know from a currency standpoint, it's not probably the strongest. And so the dollar is still prevalent and, and useful to you guys. But share with us, I guess, what is some of the things that's egging on the de-dollarization process? And for those who may not be familiar with that, what, what is the de-dollarization process to you? Um, okay. Uh, if you analyze it in, in isolation, de-dollarization is just a monetary economic phenomenon and, and does not have uh, any profound implications for the global structure of power. But I always uh, make relations between uh, these economic situations with uh, geopolitics. So in my, in my perspective, in my opinion, de-dollarization is the economic monetary nuance regarding the current uh, global transition towards multipolarity. We can't uh, see this as sim uh, simply as uh, uh, a new economic wave, but as uh, something related to a new uh, geopolitical structure. Because if we uh, consider where, uh, when, uh, Digitalization started. We go back some years because, for example, uh, France and China are uh, negotiating with four dollars since many years ago. And so this is not uh, so relevant in isolation. But uh, concerning geopolitics and relation to these two topics, we have something very uh, important because now digitalization means the uh, economic, monetary. Uh, face of multipolarity. It's not by chance that since the uh, start of uh, um, Russia's special operation Ukraine, the dollarization uh, grew a lot. Uh, Russia started to use the sanctions as, a, as an excuse to uh, uh, advance its dollarization plans. Uh, Russia started its gas for rubble project, and in the same way, China advanced a lot in its de-dollarization plans and started to negotiate uh, with many countries using the yuan. So uh, now de-dollarization means another thing. It means uh, the economic uh, aspect of the new geopolitical order. And that's why we need to pay attention both on 
um economic uh, transition and um geopolitical transition. If analyzed uh, separately, they are meaningless, but when analyzed you know, uh, in the same context, they reveal how the world is changing. Interesting. The world is changing. And so you hinted at that a Russian-Ukraine situation that capped off last year, escalating geopolitical tensions. And here we are today where the West, you know, given the fact the U.S. being the head honcho because of our reserve currency status, has always been the tyrannical, um, you know, governing authority of the world due to the reserve status as well as our military um presence all around the world and so not only is russia one of our so-called i guess enemies of if we want to use that word but then also now it looks like china is being put in that same light to where they're trying to use a taiwan situation as a possible reason that they might escalate some type of conflict with china and so is this a part of a strategic plan or is this a part of a much greater plan in reference to the world wanting to move away from the dollar in your opinion so, in my opinion, uh, both economic and military uh, aspects uh, needed to be uh, due to together in, uh, by both the, by both sides of the world conflict. Now, uh, on one side, we we have the West trying to preserve its global hegemony, uh, but for uh, that to happen, it needs to win uh, a war against Russia and another against China. But a war against Russia is impossible to win because of Russia's uh, arsenal uh, regarding nuclear weapons. And so the West is, is trying to do uh, this war through proxy conflicts, uh, not only Ukraine. Ukraine is the main conflict, but uh, are we, we are expecting that new flanks will uh, uh, arise soon, uh, mainly in Transnistria or Kosovo or Artsakh or other regions in Eurasia. So uh, the West is uh, uh, waging war with Russia uh, through proxy conflicts. Uh, while with China, there are many um, many predictions about what will happen. I I tend to believe that the West uh, thinks about China as a as an easier target. It's obviously uh, very strong in military capacity, but not so strong as Russia. So the West uh, hopes to defeat China on the battlefield, and we will use the Taiwan excuse for that. Uh, there are many, many factors to be considered here, because uh, obviously, in such a scenario, the most uh, uh, obviously thing is that uh, Russia would happen, uh, help China in some way. Uh, either through direct involvement or not, but would help. And so this is why the U.S. is uh, hurried to, to engage in, in many conflicts, uh, uh, proxy conflicts against Russia, to make Russia busy and uh, distract Russia and uh, prevent it from helping uh, uh, China in a possible conflict in the future. That's my perspective. And when we come back to the economic factor, we consider uh, the, uh, we, when we come back to the economic factor, considering these this, uh, situations, we have a great challenge uh, for both sides because now China is the main economic center of this new multipolar world that is 
uh, arising. While Russia is uh, accelerating this process of multipolarization for the military, China is doing the same process for the economic uh, development. And the West needs to neutralize both threats if it can, if it uh, plans to preserve its hegemony. Uh, as I said, military, uh, militarily, Russia is impossible to win, while China is not. But if China is defeated militarily uh, without, in, in a conflict without uh, Russian help, uh, in the long term, Russia will not be able to uh, recover its uh, uh, capacity and its geopolitical ambitions because it will not have uh, China's economic help anymore. Uh, so uh, this plan is very is very accurately uh, being prepared because uh, China is the economic center and Russia is the military center and both need to be neutralized for the multipolar world to fail. The West uh, knows that uh, very precisely. It can not. Uh, it can. Uh, the West cannot uh, prevent the judicialization from uh, from happening. But it, it can neutralize China militarily. Uh, in the same way, it, it cannot uh, win a war with Russia, but it can uh, make Russia busy with proxy conflicts and neutralize China militarily. And this is the, the challenge now for both sides. And this is the situation uh, we are expecting for the future. Uh, I, in my opinion, Taiwan is really the the next target of US, uh, uh, not only US, NATO, NATO's aggression. And that's my my perspective. Interesting. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts, because my next question was was going to be, which one of the countries are, are leading the leading the way in this whole de-dollarization process? And you kind of hinted at China being the head of the economic side, where Russia is more the military side. So where does India South Africa and Brazil, how do they fit into this union of, of BRICS? And then you got the BRICS Plus, where you got now 20 or so countries looking to join this union. And so what, what exactly is happening within this union? Why is everyone looking to run into that new formation of, 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 a, of a union? It's a very interesting topic because BRICS, in my opinion, is uh, the, the summit of the... Uh, empires of a new multipolar world. When we talk about Brazil, we are not, talk, not really talking, talking only about Brazilian states, but an entire South American, Latin American uh, uh, sphere of influence. When we talk about Russia, we talk about Eurasian sphere of influence. When we talk about China, uh, we talk about uh, uh, Chinese sphere of influence in its uh, continental zone. So these are superpowers that can influence uh, satellite states and uh, be real empires in a new world order. And that's why some countries with similar potential are looking for the BRICS as an opportunity. In South America, the most powerful country, uh, uh, except Brazil, is, is Argentina, uh, at, at least in, in, in potential, because now Argentina is, uh, is very weakened economically, but it's, a, it's a very uh, uh, likely to be recovering in the future. So Argentina is looking for the breaks in the same so way. You, I'm Iran, sorry, sorry, cut you off. You say Argentina? 
as as other as other regional powerhouse type country in South America. You said Argentina. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Another possibility. Yes. It's another possibility of of uh, regional power. Uh, in the same way, Saudi Arabia and, and Iran in the in the Middle Eastern region. So these are countries with capacity to influence its neighboring states and uh, and bank uh, empires in a new geopolitical world. So these are the countries uh, which are looking for uh, BRICS membership. They saw uh, what BRICS means now. BRICS. Uh, joins together Russia and China, which are the, uh, the two centers of the, this new this geopolitical transition. And, and these countries uh, see this as an opportunity for them to uh, elevate, to increase their geopolitical uh, insertion, their geopolitical uh, presence. Uh, this is why many countries are trying to join the BRICS, in my opinion. But the BRICS, uh, before becoming a BRICS plus, needed to uh, consolidate the BRICS itself, the BRICS themselves, by the same, because uh, these are different countries with different interests. And these different interests are uh, causing so many problems in, in some situations. Now we, we have China and Russia very close working together in many directions, in many issues, cooperation economically, militarily, and, and in, in many factors. But on the other side, we have uh, in India and Brazil very ambiguous in their geopolitical uh, positions. India uh, has, uh, has historical uh, many, uh, problems with, with China. And these problems, despite uh, uh, lessening it, are not uh, fully ended because uh, they still exist and, and, and India has some issues regarding its relations with China. In the same way, Brazil um, is now very committed with uh, the so-called Western uh, rules-based world order. Brazil, for example, condemned it, uh, openly condemned it, openly uh, criticized Russia's decision to launch a military operation in Ukraine, as well as voted against Russia in the UN uh, resolutions. It was the only BRICS country to do so. Uh, despite being neutral, it's neutral, uh, but at the same way, favoring the Western narrative. So it's very dangerous uh, for the stability of BRICS relations. I think that uh, Brazil and India are the countries that makes the BRICS now very unstable. And these problems need to be um, ended uh, as soon as possible in order for the BRICS becoming uh, the BRICS plus. So regarding South Africa, we have a more stable situation because uh, there are no, no uh, problems uh, between South Africa and and any of the BRICS country, and, and this is a, a more stable uh, partner of Russia and, and China. But regarding Brazil, we have problems with uh, Russia's decision to launch its operation, and regarding India, we have problems, they have problems with uh, China's uh, uh, development. And so, in my opinion, this is the main problem if, uh, for the 
the advancement of BRICS and consequently for the advancement of all BRICS projects, such as the uh, common queries. Interesting. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, uh, I guess, this upcoming summit in August. And I guess, as I always say, the, the world is watching as the anticipation of some type of announcement of an alternative currency payment system of things like that. And so well before then, we know about currency swaps, bilateral trade agreements and things like that we've witnessed develop over the last several years. And so based upon what you know, what you think, what exactly will there be something introduced to the world that will probably make the I guess, make the monetary system a more even and more uh, balanced playing field for these countries in, in reference to international trade and, 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 and reserve allocation and things of that nature or what? Yes. Uh, the next summit will be very decisive because uh, the the big countries will uh, have to to make the the uh, projects advance. We we had so many promises until now. We have we had promises to uh, create a common currency. We had promises to. Uh, uh, create new new projects of development and so on, but now uh, things need to advance, and the summit is the opportunity for that. We we had recently the the, the meeting of the uh, ministers of foreign relations of the BRICS countries in South Africa, and uh, and we had no relevant announcement, relevant uh, statement about uh, any great change expected for the summit uh, but uh things need to need to happen need to advance uh, i don't expect that uh, there will be any uh, so relevant change regarding the common currency in, in this august summit because uh, this is a, a slow process it, it, it does not uh, occur so so rapidly uh, but uh, at, at least uh, regarding some things, uh, for example, uh, uh, on what the on with which resolves the, con the the currency will be based if it on oil, on agricultural resources, on, on something. Uh, this needs to be decided. Uh, I, but I also not so. I, I'm also not, not so optimistic. Uh, regarding the possibilities of the uh, uh, of the countries uh, ending all their issues, for example, Brazil and Russia are very un unstable, as I said before. And what I, I expect, what will be uh, the future of uh, of this block if it's it's uh, main main partners, some of its main partners as, as presidents of America and Russia are not uh, stable on the relations and the same way with uh, China and India. So I, in my opinion, this, this new summit uh, tends to be more bureaucratic, uh, more uh, bureaucratic and, and not, I don't expect it to so many uh, changes for now. But in some way, uh, uh, things will have to accelerate to uh, consolidate the projects. Uh, uh, and another topic that is uh, too much relevant and need to be needs to be commented on is the 
is the possibility of uh, elevating uh, the brakes cooperate. Sorry, the elevate the, the brakes uh, number of of members uh, for uh, for the brakes plus to to start. For now, Iran and Argentina are the countries that, in my opinion, are more likely to join the the, the alliance. Uh, and after then, I, I think that Algeria and, and uh, maybe Saudi Arabia are highly likely to to join in the in the in the future. Uh, so, regarding these issues, the summit will uh, have to be more decisive. Regarding at least the the, the new members, the, the new likely members. But regarding there are our internal products. I don't expect so many changes for now. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the use of the renminbi, the Chinese yuan. And so there's been a lot of trade deals done between Brazil and China, as well as Russia. China have a pretty hefty, uh, you know, inter intermediary type of currency swap agreement going on there. And so the Chinese yuan is it appears to be being positioned as something that is an alternative for countries to not necessarily worry about having to, I guess, have dollars in reserve because there's clearly some dollar issues right now. And so the yuan is coming in as a backstop or, or something of, of that magnitude. So if there's no BRICS currency outright, will more of those countries continue to push and encourage just utilizing the yuan until they're able to come out with a common structure for that uh, currency that they might want to roll out or what? What are you thinking? Yes. Um, more important than the dollar, right? more important than creation of common currency between the BRICS, between uh, the other blocs, such as Mercosur, Latin America. So more important than creation currencies, uh, it, uh, uh, we need to de-dollarize in some way. And Russia is doing, is doing so, Russian Chinese are doing so, and Chinese, uh, uh, Chinese currency is the most advanced uh, currency in this regard. For example, in, in Latin America, um, not not only in Brazil but also in on the other countries of our continent, uh, we had a great pressure to de-dollarize, not because of any geopolitical issues, but uh, because of the economic elites in our countries, that, uh, which are very dependent on China, and they uh, realized that China is de-dollarizing. Right, China went to. Uh, uh, increase the negotiations in its own currency and so uh, they pressured the governments to to de dollarize it happened in brazil mainly because of our agribusiness sector which uh, is very dependent on china and it is uh, happening in all the countries uh, especially i don't have uh, exact precise data now but it's really happening so uh de dollarizing is the priority uh, all the global south for, for the BRICS and the, the BRICS candidates and our uh, allied countries. And if the, the Chinese uh, currency is the most appropriate to be used for now, uh, the, uh, the Chinese is for countries to uh, start uh, uh, an increase in the use of, uh, of the yuan. Uh, and if necessary, postponing the the possibility of creation regional uh, currencies or BRICS currencies. Uh, so, but uh, the, the main focus will 
be is now and will be in the in the future uh, to finish this digitalization project and consolidate the world as a as a as an, as a, a possibility of using different uh, currencies. If China is the and, and China is the the greatest rising superpower and consequently uh, the priority for economic elites in all the countries and for and for the global south uh, mainly. So Chinese currency is the is the uh, very uh, is the highlight uh, preferred the most uh, uh, appropriate for the current moment. Interesting. Um, so I'm curious, uh, as we draw down towards the end, um, give me your long, short-term, mid-range, and long-term viewpoint on the de-dollarization process and the some 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 alternative other than yuan being rolled out that will be a, I guess, you know, like, where will the dollar be, in your opinion, in five to 10 years, given all the events that you're witnessing now, is the question. Yes, the dollar will be a very important currency, a very uh, strong currency, but restricted to um, Western zone of influence. Countries will uh, negotiate in dollar and use dollar if they when to do so, and not uh, this is this, it will not be imposed on them uh, through coercion and through uh, uh, military hegemony by the, the U.S. Uh, I say this, of course, uh, considering that the multipolarization process will be finished and consolidated, and and, and ignoring the possibility of uh, escalation, nuclear war, and so on. So, if if he uh, thinks. Go well. This is the, the future of the dollar, uh, as well as uh, the European currency, and as well as uh, all the relevant countries of blo- uh, regions blocks currencies. Uh, we will have a, a multipolar monetary system, multipolar economic system. Uh, the, as I said, digitalization is the economic, monetary, and nuance of the. Uh, of the geopolitical transition, it's the face, uh, it's the economic face of of a geopolitical movement. Uh, so I don't believe in another hegemonic currency. I, I okay, I believe that China will be very strong because it's the rising, the most important rising country now, and uh, as I, as I say, countries prioritize China uh, when they choose which currency to to use, but. I don't believe in a hegemon of the Chinese currencies, and I, I don't believe in the hegemon of any uh, countries, uh, neither in military or economic or cultural uh, issues. I believe in multipolarity in its uh, pure uh, sense, uh, with countries uh, being able to decide which country to use and countries being able to negotiate with uh, which country they went to negotiate because there will be no hegemony. So Lucas, thank you for joining us on RTD interviews. It was great to get your assessment on, on where things are currently are and where they're heading. Thank you for joining us and uh, definitely look forward to, uh, you know, staying in touch with you, you know, having you back on and get more updates as time move forward. So thanks for joining us on RTD interviews. Thanks for having me.